Hey everybody, uh, thanks for listening to the show. If you're not already, the best way to support the show is through the Apple Podcast uh, reviews. Leave us a good review if you enjoy the show. Otherwise, follow us on Facebook and Instagram so you don't miss any more popular interviews. Today's show is brought to you by Supergrip ATV Tires. The Supergrip ATV K9 Tires, the most bananas performing tire in loose dirt, dirt, gravel, general trail riding, dry rock, everything, you name it. It's an absolutely superior tire. If you can squeeze it out of your budget, I highly recommend the Kevlar sidewall option that they have. That is bead to bead Kevlar. Um, they're one of the only people that do that right now. And the K9 tire, C-A-N-I-N-E. They changed the name spelling there a little bit. Um, that tire is one inch tread depth, eight ply sidewalls, and an excellent, excellent tire to run on your UTV. If you can find a set, get them because they're not lasting long. I can tell you right now that if you find them, they're going to be gone quick. So you need to get them. Standard compound is what I run. It's going to be a little bit more firm than the intermediate compound. Uh, it's going to last longer. However, the intermediate being a softer tire, you're going to see better performance. So all of the guys at, at Supergrip ATV have been amazing to the show. I know that everyone that's, that's uh, retails their tires will be amazing to you as well. So Supergrip ATV on Facebook and Instagram, supergripatv.com. Dynajet is one of the best in the power business. One thing that I've always been really curious about is the Power Vision 3 tuner. Um, I was someone who never really thought that tunes made that big of a difference until I put a tune on my machine. Because let me tell you, it made a huge difference. I have the Stage 2, which just comes with a... With a um, What's the word I'm looking for here? A standard tune for the for the stock exhaust. It also came stock exhaust option, a Trinity exhaust, and a few others. So right out of the box, I had plug and play power. I run the stage two, which includes a clutch setup and the Power Vision 3 tuner, and it goes all the way up to stage five, which has boost tubes, blow-off valves, clutching, injectors, and a massive turbo. Dynajet.com, Dynajet Research Inc. on Facebook and Instagram. Next but not least is Diddy's Big Block Race Shop. These guys are awesome. They are your number one source for Mark Williams off-road parts, specializing in off-road part sales, shock service, which is what I have done with them. You know, really excited about what we're working on there. Fabrication and wiring and plumbing of all different kinds. One of the most beautiful things that is happening right now is Chris, the owner of Diddy's Big Block Race Shop, is tuning a set of UTV shocks for me, and we're gonna get those shocks figured out so he can have a you know plug-and-play valving setup. Basically, what that means is you're gonna be able to get in touch with Diddy's Big Block Race Shop. You're gonna say, hey, my UTV rides like crap. Chris is gonna say, hey, here's the price, here's our base, you know, here's the base valving. We're gonna make it ride 110% better. And then from there, you know, personal adjustments, if you carry weight, if you don't carry weight, if you have, you know, two passengers that weigh 75 pounds or two passengers that weigh 900 pounds, whatever it may be, Diddy's Big Block will give you the personal attention and the customization that you need. Diddy's Big Block Racing on Facebook and Instagram. Last but not least, the owner of i 4 4x4 has asked me to do this just a little different than normal, so I'm gonna go ahead and go through it. Uh, this is normally where I would talk about i4x4. Um, that being said, again, we want to make you aware uh, of Jeff Davidson and his story. 
Back in late July, Jeff was wheeling his buggy, and he and his passenger were strapped in with harnesses when his buggy rolled on its side and actually exploded. Being strapped in, Jeff was burned pretty badly, about 25% of his body, and there are several um, groups of people coming together to help raise some money for him and his family during this difficult time. There are two major giveaways that they're doing. One is for an extremely nice built rock crawler, and the other is for an extremely plush 48-foot toy hauler. Two beautiful and over-the-top items they will be raffling off. The tickets are limited, and the drawings are going to be on October 3rd, so it's coming up very soon, guys. Please get this taken care of now. Not only will you be supporting a member of the off-road community, but you have a chance to win some really cool prizes. Both raffles can be found at irate4x4.com slash Jeff. That is irate, I-R-A-T-E, 4x4.com slash Jeff, J-E-F-F. That's it. Really easy. Go there to get your links. Go there, and that has all the information to get to the raffles, the GoFundMe page, and everything in between. Uh, next on the list is All Things UTV. Let me tell you guys something. All Things UTV has a... RS1 diff swap option that you can just order. Comes with the, the actual differential itself, comes with the mounting plate. It's a really great option. If your vehicle did not come with that from the factory, it's a very sustainable, or should I say attainable, uh, upgrade that you can have for your machine. I really highly recommend it. I'll do it at some point, I'm just waiting for my front end to blow up. So knock on wood that that doesn't happen soon, but it always could happen. Uh, all things UTV has crazy fast customer service speeds and crazy fast shipping. They're one of the best in the business. I highly recommend their Razor A tender springs and inner fender liners for higher protection of your vehicle. All things UTV on Facebook and Instagram and allthingsutv.com. Last but not least, our friends over at Infinite Offroad want to give you 10% off the entire website. 10% off with code word. Rocks, R-O-C-K-S, will get you 10% off the entire infiniteoffroad.com website. That includes rock lights, light bars, light pods, wiring kits. Listen, I bought three of their wiring harnesses uh, a couple weeks ago, and man, do they make wiring easy. I have everything on my car going through three switches that I got from Infinite Off-Road. It's been really great. I had a parasitic draw on my battery. I, basically, my battery just die every couple days, or not a couple days, but you know, every, every couple weeks or so. And uh, it was because I did not have something wired correct, and the previous owner had a bird's nest in there. So I just bought wiring kits from Infinite Off-Road with my 10% off coupon, got them all over here, got everything sorted out, and man, is it better. Also, all of those wiring kits come in with built-in relays, so you can do the fancy strobes and all that other kind of fun stuff. It's great. InfiniteOffRoad.com, Infinite Offroad on Facebook and Instagram. Okay, guys, this is a big one. Brett from Polaris is on the show today. Um, you'll find out a little bit more about what Brett's position at Polaris is, and I need to preface it like this, guys. I saw all of your questions and I asked most of your questions, but there's only so much that we can discuss uh, about the future. So with that being said, I say that you put your listening ears on, turn your magnifying glass to the maximum, really listen between the lines, listen what's being said, take some of the rumors, throw some of them out, keep some of them in mind. This is a great interview. I really enjoyed having Brett on. So. Without further ado, the mighty 
Brett from Polaris. Get a drink and gather around. Let's talk drivers. Let's talk rigs. Let's talk skill. You've got the best of the best in the off-road racing world. Have a seat at the table with us and let's talk about racing on the rocks. And boom, recording has started. Brett from Polaris is on the line. How are you, friend? Good. How's it going? Man, I am so good. And uh, I say this every time. I always have a short discussion with my guests before we get started. And this one, more than any, I'm so excited. I, have, I haven't gotten nervous before an interview in, in a good while. And oh, I, uh, I had one of those moments where I was like, okay, I need to get my thoughts in order here. And I need to kind of make everything uh, organized because I'll probably get on here and just ramble if I don't have it. So uh, I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah. yeah. And uh, thanks for taking the time uh, to, to jump on with us and we'll go ahead and get right into it. Um, before we talk about the Polaris side, tell me a little bit about yourself uh, in terms of what you like to do outside the off-road world and, and, you know, how you got plugged into where you are now. Yeah, man. Um, you know, I, uh, I live in Arizona first and foremost, I'm, I'm out in Phoenix. So I, uh, I work remote. Um, my position, um, and my job, my role at Polaris requires me to uh, attend a lot of races, obviously. Um, and, and that, you know, for the most part takes place in the Southwest. I'm, you know, six hours from, from, from Ensenada or Baja, um, six hours from San Diego, um, four hours from Vegas, you know, we're, that's kind of our, I feel like I'm in a pretty central location to where a lot of our, a lot of our racers and racing organizations uh, operate. Um, you know, uh, I've been, I've been here for 25 years, uh, a little more than 25 years. My family moved out here from the East coast, uh, when I was just a, just a young kid. Um, my dad was a racer back, back East. And, um, you know, when we, uh, my family moved out west. He he continued in his uh, racing efforts, and um, you know my family uh, grew up kind of alongside the Leduke family, Kurt Leduke um, yeah. and Todd. Um, so uh, you know my dad was always attending races uh, once he wasn't racing anymore himself with Kurt Leduke. Um, so you know I was around it at a young age at uh, short course tracks, um, Baja, um, anywhere I could go, anywhere that my dad would bring me when I was old yeah. enough. I was, I was there, um, really took a loving, uh, to, uh, off-road at just such a young age. And it just really became a part of just a part of my life. Um, you know, I was, I was always involved in, in sports as well and grew up playing, playing basketball and soccer and stuff like that. But, but always, um, always had this love for off-road racing and trucks and Jeeps and, yeah. and, and, and now, especially, uh, as big as side-by-sides have gotten. So, um, yeah, so, so just really, really attending races at a young age, um, really, really got into short course off-road. Um, you know, I, I really found a passion there. Um, you know, and so while, while, you know, I was, I was going to a lot of races, I, I really took an interest in the marketing side, you know, when I was in, you know, coming up as a teenager and through, through high school and stuff, I loved, you know, taking pictures and video. Me and my buddies always had cameras. So we were making yeah. little videos and going to races and making our own video edits um, I actually thought I was going to pursue a career there, um, yeah. but uh, I think the I think kind of the media and marketing aspect really interested me as opposed to the um, the actual uh, you know working on the vehicles and, and racing itself. I just <laughs> I, I kind of feared a different direction. Yeah. Um, 
you know, branding was always really big to me and, and um, just how companies operate. And so, um, you know, that, that stuck with me for a long time. Um, eventually I ended up joining the military, um, which was kind of a, a hard left. Um, yeah. <laughs> realized I, there was a point in my life I, I kind of wanted to just get my stuff together. And so I, uh, I served in the Air Force for four years, uh, lived in Fayetteville, North Carolina, at Fort Bragg. Um, just as a, you know, just want to, just want to get my, get my life together and, and learn a little, little bit and, uh, experience stuff that I, I never thought I'd get to experience. And, um, you know, went through school thanks to the military and got a degree. Um, and then ultimately moved back to, moved back to Arizona once I was, once I was out. Um, I didn't have really have any interest in making that a career. It was just kind of a, a time in my life early in my twenties that I felt it was good for me. I, I would encourage anybody to do what I did. I, I certainly don't regret it. Um, and, and it really, really paved a path for me professionally, mm-hmm. um, you know, and just, just allowed me to, to, you know, kind of come to grips with who I was. And, you know, I learned a lot about myself and, um, you know, that, that really, that really was life changing for me. And so from there, um, you know, I was able to obviously fresh, fresh out of the military college degree, um, was able to get a job in kind of corporate America. I, I was doing some stuff in, you know, medical software sales and oh, gross, that, man. That, that wasn't, that wasn't for me. Um, but what it did do was, was, uh, just give me some professional experience yeah. um, where I could then take that over into ultimately what my passion was in off-road in the off-road industry. Um, and, uh, I, I got a job working for rigid industries, led lighting, cool. um, so I joined their marketing team there and, and brought some of my sales experience um, and what, what I gained from the from the medical software industry. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I worked for Rigid for quite a while. Um, you know, handled handled a lot of their sponsorship negotiation and contract execution, and um, you know, managed our our sponsored racers and ambassadors, and um, worked on the events team, and you know, kind of got a got a you know a really really good um, you know, sense of just how the off-road industry operates, um, you know, from a business perspective and marketing perspective. So, um, you know, I really was able to see a lot of different areas of of the business. Um, and then ultimately, as I mentioned earlier, um, I I really took a liking to short course Mm off-road and developed a number of relationships at Rigid to where I was actually uh, offered a job to to go and manage a a short course off-road program, um, in marketing and, and PR stuff. So, um, I mean, I was kind of a, a one man marketing crew for the team. I did, I did photos and video work. Um, I, I, we actually, we worked with a, a couple different video companies, but just kind of managed that process, um, you know, and, and handled all the sponsorship negotiation and, and, um, you know, basically was able to, to, to bring what I learned from working in the industry for a handful of years over to the, to the racer side, mm-hmm. um, and that was a really, really cool experience for me. Um, worked worked for Jared Brooks, um, who's currently still crushing it in the Pro Two category for Lucas Oil Off Road. Yeah. Um, worked with him for a few years. Was fortunate enough to be a part of a few championships, um, which was really fun and, and just a great experience. Uh, and then ultimately, I, I was I was actually offered a job to go back to Rigid um, in, in uh, the uh, marketing director role there. Um, which, which was great. I, I then was able to apply <laughs> really on the flip side, what I learned from, from the, uh, the racer side, the opposite side of the business, bring it back to the, to the corporate side. And so, um, really saw, saw a lot of really great things and learned a lot, both sides of the, 
you know, the motorsports business racer side, um, you know, and that was a, that was a really big for my, really big for my career. Um, and then, uh, ultimately, you know, fast forward to a couple of years and, and an opportunity with Polaris came about, um, where they were looking for a, uh, basically a, a manager of their motorsports program of the factory razor racing team. So, um, you know, I, I heard about that and, and I jumped at it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I, uh, I met with the folks at Polaris. I flew up in the middle of the winter when it was 12 degrees and something I've never, I've never experienced. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> At least awesome. I remember experiencing it when I lived in, lived back East. But, uh, yeah. And so, um, basically at the, uh, you know, turn of the new year, um, 2020, I, I joined the Polaris team, which has just been, which has been amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's where I'm at. So that's amazing. First off, um, I have a couple of questions like periodically as you go through yeah. there. Um, yeah. When you were growing up, what did your dad race? Was it quads or MX or something like that? He raced, uh, he raced like big formula four by four Jeeps and uh, raced that old vintage off-road Jeep four wheel drive truck class. Um, he was, a, he raced at Crandon. He raced up in Canada. He raced at Southwick. Um, you know, really like, this is like hardcore grassroots off-road racers. And it's really, it's where, um, you know, Kurt LeDuc built his career. I mean, they, they were, uh, this, this network of like hardcore off-road racers really started up in the Northeast. Um, you know, while, while Baja was, was really big in the Southwest, Mm -hmm. um, you know, in the, in the sixties, seventies, eighties early on. and, And, you know, as that was growing, there was this, this culture up in the Northeast of, uh, just hardcore grassroots off-road racers and they um you know he's got he has a ton of photos and pictures of himself racing with 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 some legends of the sport yeah and ultimately you know like anything and and like a lot of racers it it becomes it becomes quite a commitment and and quite expensive so uh for him it was a it was a hobby um but you know it certainly brought him to some cool places he he's he literally traveled from from Connecticut all the way to Baja, like made road trips across country, then down to Baja oh with his buddies just to just to experience that when he was, you know, back in the seventies and eighties. So, um, you know, he's uh, pretty hardcore and off road. He's been around it most of his life, and uh, it's been cool that that uh, I've been able to do the same. So, yeah, yeah. he was a, he raced at Crandon with with you know Walker Evans and, and a lot of the legends of the sport there, and um, pretty pretty cool. Yeah, that's a really, really cool, especially to be, you know, just, you know, one degree removed from that. That's amazing. That's yeah. really, really cool. Uh, man, I don't even know where to go after that. I mean, you know, you mentioned the the cross country trip and you're, you're based in Arizona. So I am in uh, just south of Nashville in Tennessee. Yep. actually, And it is a bucket list, obviously, to go to King of Hammers and go to Johnson Valley and see all yeah. that cool stuff. And um, my wife's mother used to live in arizona and okay. we're, you know, we're so my wife is actually pregnant right now uh, we, uh thank you we'll, yeah. we'll have a baby boy do uh in february and i'm already planning on like <laughs> what are we, where are we going next you know like yeah. when, the, when this chapter here closes what happens next and yeah, i can see um, you screaming like okay february that's right around king of the hammers how can i make this work <laughs> Listen, I I had already put it on the books. I had talked to my wife. I was going to fly out there, and I, w- I didn't even want a machine. I just wanted to be around it. And then uh, so she works actually in the uh, property management sector, and yeah. she also works in uh, – so she is the community director at an apartment complex. And okay. it's really close to Middle Tennessee State University here in Murfreesboro. Yep. So 
their busy season is from like June to, you know, the end of summer when everybody's moving in for school. So the way that their business works is they're not allowed to take time off during those times. So she was like doing the math and she's like, I need to get pregnant like this month right now, or we have to wait until next year. And I was like, uh, <laughs> like okay, all right, fine, fine. Because because we're trying to. Uh, she had a daughter before we got married, and, and her daughter is going to turn seven this Friday, actually. So we're trying to like bridge the gap so we don't have this giant gap. But either way, I was some you call it conned or convinced, whatever you want to call it. All right, we're, we're now pregnant. We're going to have a baby. So it's oh, great. great. Yeah, yeah awesome. absolutely. Um, but all that being said, is uh, I really like that whole idea of. Um, the, the cross country traveler. I know that there's a lot of guys um, all over that yeah. go across the country and, and a lot of the ultra four full size guys, they come over to the East coast, you know, a couple of times a year. Sure. Um, but I think that that's always really cool because you get to see the most diverse terrain in the country. You know, I mean, well, let me phrase it like this. Our country has so much diverse terrain from yeah. coast to coast. Uh, I've never been to Utah, like I've never been to Moab and I've never been to like Glamis or anything like that. So yeah. It's all out there. I've got plenty of time and I'm very yeah, excited. Too. Yeah, you got time for sure, man. Yeah. A couple of just epic trips, you know, I've just, you know, King of the Hammers is definitely one that, I mean, if that's, you say you hadn't been there yet. I haven't been to King of Hammers. Yeah, man, that's, that's one that you'll just, you'll go to once you'll, you'll either come away with it and, and, and with the conclusion of, cool, I've been there once, I don't need yeah. to go back, or you're going to say, I need to go back every year. But oh, either yeah. way, it's, it's a long week, you know, yeah. and, you know, for us, I mean, the UT, there's UTV race the first weekend, essentially an open weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, Monday rolls around of, of basically King the Hammer's week, and it's a week full of just festivities and events. Um, so it, it can be a long week for sure, but, man, it's, it's a blast. You, you see, like you said, you'll see people that have, made the trip out from, from Pennsylvania where, you know, yeah. the Northeast is a really big, big Jeep community. Pennsylvania is huge. I used to get a lot of people from Pennsylvania, Florida, mm-hmm. Texas, you know, the Midwest, Tennessee, um, you know, you definitely get all walks of off-road life out at uh, King of the Hammers. And it's awesome. It's just such a great community. People are all there for the same reason. They're all, they're all diehards, um, whether they're there to race or they're there just to enjoy it. Um, it's a good, it's a good time for sure. Yeah. So one thing that uh, I constantly hear from a lot of the racers and manufacturers that interview um, on the UTV side, they're always pushing for UTVs to be later in the week. Um, Is that for, for prep time? I mean, what's the, what's the argument there? Yeah. Well, you could argue that it's, it's, it's quickly growing. I mean, it's becoming one of the fastest growing classes. So um, I mean, it's, there's, it's no doubt about it that, that, you know, a, it's a it's a much more affordable way to go racing in, in any type of racing, um, you know. But there's just so much. There's a lot of manufacturer support right now. There's um, there's a lot of excitement around around UTV racing, um, and seeing these seeing these machines go smash through the rocks and you know really see what they're capable of. You know, yeah. I mean, you're starting to see UTVs toy with the idea of competing on a Friday. I believe that there was even a couple that 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 raced last Friday or last yeah. year on. With, with the big dog. So, um, you know, ultimately it's, it's, it's a matter of it just being a bigger part of the show. Like I said, it's a faster growing class, yeah. uh, you know, just across the board. I mean, even in, in desert racing, I mean, in Vegas Torino, there were 120 UTVs entered across yeah. like, classes. Like, so, um, you know, I think that's a big part of it. Um, it it's, 
there's also a lot of racers that are racing in the 4400 and, and you know the, the unlimited classes that you know even race in UTV earlier in the week um, mm -hmm. you know it gives them some pre-running time and more more time on course and um, you know there's a lot of crossover there um, but yeah I mean I think it would be great to see that kind of tee up the the, the, the Friday event it would be really cool yeah um, I now it's like you're racing in the UTV race. You should you got to show up on Friday, Thursday or Friday, essentially before Hammerton even opens. Get some pre-running in, um, you know, qualify on Saturday, race on Sunday, and then there's a whole five more days for the guys that are racing in, in the big class that uh, they stick around and, and racing in on Friday. So okay. I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it. The schedule shift a little bit. They used to be midweek. It used to be like a Tuesday or a Wednesday event. Um, yeah. But so yeah, that's that's. Uh, yeah, I'd love to see some adjustment there, but regardless, yeah. love seeing love seeing how many how many cars are out there. It's crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have a, a close friend of mine. I guess I would say uh, he his name's Anthony. He's actually planning on uh, doing an RS one next year for King of Hammers, and uh, nice. I personally am really excited to see that. Yeah, uh, that'll be a really um, unique thing. He he always sets cars up very not want to say individualistic, but he sets cars up very purpose built, very. Different than most, and I'm really interested to see how he'll yeah, do. Making a solo effort too. Listen, if there's anybody that, that can do it from from my like circle of racers, yeah. it's this guy. This guy has yeah. no quit, and uh, he actually just did Vegas Torino as a co-pilot, and they had some parts failure, and uh, it was long story. But uh, he's one of the most committed. So, like I said, if it's going to be somebody, it's going to be him. Um, awesome. Yeah, yeah. But uh, let's jump back to you. Uh, so we kind of got a little bit of your backstory there. Um, what do you do at Polaris now? You know, you mentioned your title earlier. Um, what do you do? How does it work? What's a normal day for you like um, in the office? Great question. Um, do a lot. <laughs> there's a, there's a lot happening. Um, mm -hmm. So my, yeah, my primary role is um, managing our, our race team and our race program. So, um, you know, we, there's a, there's a lot of Polaris racers and which is great. Um, can never have too many. Yeah. Um, but we've got, you know, we have a factory team that we work extremely close with. Um, so, so really it's, it's, uh, you know, day to day communication with our racers on, you know, just developing their program further, providing them with some, with support where they need it. Um, you know, with, with, with a factory program comes, you know, engineering support. And so, um, you know, that's, that's really a, a big part of our program is, um, well, we have an invest in, and you know, who we feel is the, the best UTV racers in the world. Um, you know, we also use that to, to, to gather information um, on the flip side. So while uh, we're providing resources and, and, and parts and tools and, and a platform to, to go race and, and you know, um, truly market the performance of these vehicles around, around our racers, um, we also learn from it. We also collect information and data and, and work closely with the racers to take back and, and you know, improve on the development of, of future vehicles. And so, um, you know, that's a big part of it is just working with our team. We have we have great racers that are all, you know, just so enthusiastic about working with with Polaris and, and working with our team. Um, you know, we've got racers that are racing all different machines, which is great. I mean, we have RS1 racers, we've got, you know, XP1000, we've got Turbo S, Pro XP, so um, really diverse, you know, throughout our, our Razer um, platforms, which is awesome because, 
you know, there's just a lot that goes into developing these, these vehicles. So, um, yeah, I mean, and then obviously all the fun stuff of handling all the contract negotiations and, and working through <laughs> developing new programs for, um, you know, more entry level racers and, and um, providing support to, um, you know, race series that, that we don't have, you know, large representation in. So, um, identifying ways that we can continue to support racing and, and improve, um, you know, across the board. Um, I also work really close with our, I'm a part of the Razor team. So, um, you know, I work alongside uh, just an incredible team of, of, uh, of people, um, you know, between our like brand managers and, um, you know, events, events teams and social media um, you know, new product development. Like we, it's just such a fun team um, that are involved in just so many aspects and elements of uh, the Razor platform. It's it's just fun to be a part of. So yeah, um, yeah. I would cool. so. I would imagine that that would probably uh, that would be a great group of people to work with, especially um, everyone from the racers to your you know your coworkers on the marketing yeah. side and all that kind of fun stuff. So um, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just, uh, you know, I, I told you this a little bit. I'm I'm a bit of a, uh, I don't want to say, I'm going to say this. I was going to say fangirl, but I don't like that. Uh, <laughs> we'll say, we'll say I'm just, I'm a really big fan of the yeah. UTVs, the side-by-sides, and I really have a special place for Razor. Um, that's the machine that I, you know, started with. That's the brand yep. I started with. That's awesome. Um, I think that a lot of, a lot of, uh, there's a lot of individuals out there who this is what they do. And mm-hmm. I've kind of learned more of as I've been on the podcast that these guys who race who aren't um, I don't want to say aren't factory supported, but there's a lot of guys who race with no sponsorship at all, um, yep. whether it be from third party or, you know, just so and so's auto garage down the street. Um, yeah. They just all out of pocket and all the man hours and everything. And it really I didn't make sense to me at first because I, I kept trying to figure out, you know, why would would someone dump their savings their time you know they have and and again i don't hope no one that's listening takes offense but you have nothing else yes. but your race team your yeah. your you know your race team is your life and i get it that there's a lot of memories and things there but um do you guys as the razor team ever feel you know i don't want to say that pressure that those people like that or or that the big community behind it for example we had a short little discussion about uh the, the post i put up on facebook mm-hmm. you saw i mean a lot of the comments there yeah. and you know people yeah. are extremely passionate about, yeah. about the things <laughs> do you guys as a race team or, or the razor team rather do y'all feel the pressure of the of people's passions like that yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I do specifically. Um, and I think our, you know, I would, can't speak for everybody on the team, but I feel like, you know, as the Razor team and, and the Razor brand, I mean, we, we we're committed to, um, you know, keeping these people, we, we feel like we built this, right? Like Razor, Razor's been around for a long time and, and obviously Polaris has been around for, for, for decades, but you know, I mean, I think there's just such this core following of, of Razor enthusiasts that, you know, we in everything that we do, we have to remain as authentic as possible and yeah. relatable to these consumers, whether they're racers, whether they're just, you know, weekend warriors, whether they're they're, you know, thrill seekers like there's there's a there's, a, you know, whether it's on social media or the content that we're putting out or campaigns that we're running, I think it's just really important for us to. To like I said, remain as authentic as possible and, and truly feel like we're we're connecting and reaching 
um, enthusiasts, you know, and so it's a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and then, and then from a racing standpoint, you know, I feel the same way, if not stronger where, you know, there's people that are racing, like you said, that are, you know, shoestring budgets, they're, they're putting everything they have into it for, and then really when you think about it, what do you get out of racing? Yeah. I mean, you lose a whole lot of money. <laughs> a lot of money for, uh, in, in many cases, 20 minutes of, of adrenaline, and then you wait another month to do it again, you know? Yeah. Um, and for those people, th- that's just how passionate that they are. Um, like I said, there's memories and, you know, it's truly a community. The racing community is, 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 is that, you know, it's really strong. Um, I think there's obviously there's different markets and there's different, you know, segments of, of off-road where you get the Southwest community. Um, you know, there's this really strong passion on the East coast that I'm learning more and more about, mm-hmm. uh, which is really cool. And, you know, even considering that, um, you know, we're still, we're still learning. I'm still learning about the East coast and how off-road over there and the culture is so different than it is on the West coast. And so for us, we need to, we need to do our, our, our job and, and as good of a job as we can to make sure that we're supporting those racers as well, um, because they put everything into it. They, I mean, this is like their life, you know? Yeah, yeah absolutely. A um, lot of, many racers do it just for fun. I mean, a majority of them are doing it for fun. A heavy yeah. majority where very few are doing it to, to, to make money or, or, you know, making a living off of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's the biggest thing is just making sure we're, we're giving back and, and, and loyal and, and being as authentic as possible to support those truly passionate people, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I kind of, I have a, a question that's, that's a little off the topic here. How would you describe the West coast racer kind of, uh, culture is the word you use West coast, West coast racer culture versus East coast. What are the differences that you've picked up on? Well, I think the, you know, the, the biggest thing and naturally there's just, there's a bigger, bigger platform, I think on the Southwest for it. Um, just being that, you know, you got the Baja mm-hmm. and the other desert racing organizations that, that are just so big. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a lot of money in, in the Southwest and off-road or in comparison to the East coast, I feel like, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it's, which is great. You know, you see, you yeah. see, a, there's a lot happening and the growth is continuing. You know, it's the, the trajectory is crazy to see how, how big the sport's really getting. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just been around more on the West coast or, you know, I don't know if I, I don't know if I'd say longer. I, I spoke earlier of, of my dad racing on the East coast, but you know, UTV specific, um, you know, I think you saw it pick up more on, on the West coast and the Southwest specifically um, much more significant than, than on the East coast where, you know, on the East coast, you have a lot of things like, you know, the GNCC series back in the day, which I don't believe is operating anymore, but you know, there's a lot more, trail um cross-country style racing of, of dirt bikes and atvs and things like that and now utvs thankfully um you know and some new series have developed over there and, and they're, they're picking things up uh you know and, and we're seeing some we're seeing some some growth for sure which mm-hmm. is why we want to put more focus and emphasis uh back east so um you know it's just a different market there's there's even the even the the, the you know, the enthusiasts, the non-racers were out west. You've got the sand dunes, mm-hmm. mountains, rocks, desert, really wide open terrain. Mm-hmm. Um, we're on the East Coast. You have a lot more, you know, woods, trees, trail, um, you know, narrower. It's, a, you know, we've got 64-inch machines that obviously would, mm-hmm. you know, work out better on the East Coast than the, you know, the, the bigger, wider, fully um, custom-built machines on, on the West Coast, right? There's just a different, it's just a different feel. Um, I will say this about the East Coast, though. 
the passion out there is just as strong, if not stronger, because I feel like um, being that there's not as big of a platform and, and there's, there's just not as much attention, mm-hmm. they work really hard and they're working harder and, and they're doing what they can to get sponsors attention and to get recognition and media coverage and things like that. So, um, you know, I, I would say from a passion standpoint, there's the guys on the East Coast are, are just really strong. They're, they're, they're killing it. I mean, we're seeing it more and more. And then yeah. you kind of meet in the middle and you see like, you know, a, a place like Texplex, um, which yeah. is growing significantly. And there's a new series starting in Oklahoma, very similar, um, you know, and so you're kind of getting, you're kind of getting this West Coast, East Coast grouping there, um, which is awesome. The racing has been from, from what I understand, it's been just in, incredible. The, yeah. um, the promoters do a great job. The track is always great there. So we're hearing a lot of good things, even in the middle of the country. So, um, but yeah, there's definitely some difference. Um, yeah. You know, I, I would I would basically just describe it as just two different worlds, really. From yeah, the, there's, there's something that you said that stuck out to me, and uh, I think that so being someone that's on the East Coast and and you know hearing you say um, maybe the that the popularity isn't as strong as it is mm-hmm. West Coast. I think that um, I think that East Coast people are going to hear that wrong because. I think that they're going to think, oh, well, you know, everyone has razors. Everybody goes razor riding. But that's not necessarily what we're talking about here. We're yeah. talking about established uh, race venues, established race leagues, sure. um, you know, these these staples of off-road racing. Whereas, you know, East Coast, it's it's 90 percent leisure, you know, mm-hmm. and and I, I think that uh, what I'm trying to kind of soften for the East Coast listeners here is um the divisions that are in the East Coast, you know, Ultra Four has started to reach its hand into the oh, East yeah, Coast UTV market, um, which is a, a really great thing for us. But the yep. um, the series that are out there right now, like you know, Southern Rock Racing Series, Pro Rock, uh, Renegade Outlaw, you know, yep. those are relatively small in comparison yep. to an Ultra Four or Best in the Desert and things sure. like that. And I yep. think that it's very hard for people on the East Coast to say, you know. Well, they're not small. These are the race leagues we have in comparison. You know, yeah. I talked to, I talked to Hunter Miller and a bunch of the guys that race work and, and best and, and a lot of those guys that are West coast and the program itself is so massive that yeah. I think that we have something comparable on the East coast. And I think that's what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And, and certainly, and, and if I misspoke, I, I certainly probably no, 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 no. I listen. I know how these guys hear things, and I yeah. what, they're, what they're wanting to hear is they're like, "We're going to sponsor all East Coast drivers." Like that's that's what the East Coast driver wants to hear. Well, yeah. Well, what I'm telling them is is for sure that we're we're seeing a lot more um, we're seeing a lot more happen back there, and and we have great representation on the, on the race course. Um, you know, there's there's some 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 racers back there that have really been killing it. Um, and which is why the, even and, and they're so passionate that they're bringing it to our attention too. say, look, you guys got to see what's going on back here because it's, you know, there's some really good things happening. There's some big series that are picking up and, uh, you know, we want you to be a part of it, which is which is why we, we want to. I mean, we, we certainly we listen, you know, we, we uh, when we hear something, we'll certainly do whatever we can to 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 to, to react and react accordingly. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I mean. I'd love to, I'd love to grow and uh, with the East coast and um, you know, just, just get more involved back there. So. Yeah, no problem. Um, And what I want to do is I want to kind of roll back just a little bit and talk about the whole uh, race team model there. Uh, 
the the race team itself, you know, it, it's been at a very high level explained to me before how it was set up. But, you know, there are tiers of sponsorship and things like that. Um, can you enlighten me a little bit on, on how the actual structure goes of, you know, maybe like a entry level support or all the way to factory razor? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, and that's something that, you know, when I, when I arrived earlier this year, um, you know, we started looking really close at just how our race program is structured. Um, but we essentially do, you know, have, have entry level program, um, you know, of, of supporting racers with, you know, with, with some, some better pricing on parts and things like that. Um, and then we, you know, we've got, uh, you know, a few sponsorship packages and opportunities that we can offer, um, you know, given, given budgets and things like that. And we've got our, uh, and then we have our factory program. So it, it's not as, uh, not as many tiers as you'd think. Um, just, I think there's natural, um, you know, within our factory program, there's, there's racers that, you know, have, that we work with, um, you know, for different reasons than others, you know, um, just depending on where they race and what they do. And, um, you know, the, 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 you know, the type of program that they're running and things like that. So, um, you know, there's, there's really no standard. Um, you know, like I said, it's, it's really programs that we build individually around the racers that, uh, you know, that we're really, that we feel strongly about that they're going to give us the best chance to be successful. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, entry level, um, you know, we want to help as many racers as we can. Um, you know, it's a matter of just, uh, you know, identifying who those racers are. Typically, if a racer does come to us and looking for support, um, you know, we typically run through a process of evaluating their program. What type of program do they do they have? Where are they racing? What's their schedule? How do they promote themselves? What other partners do they have? Um, you know, things like that. So there's certainly an evaluation process um, that that we'll go through. But um, yeah, and then and then there's natural progression from there, moving up the moving up the ladder. Gotcha, and that makes that makes sense to me. Um, yeah. One thing I, you know, should I will, we'll, we'll say it just because, but it's it's not necessarily just a cut or it's not necessarily just one, you know, they're successful racer or yeah. they're successful in promotion yeah. and social media and things like that. It, it really is a, a marriage of the entire package that yeah. makes you um, attractive to I would, I would assume that would be the case. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. I mean, I think with racing specifically, you can look at it a couple ways um, because you know, this really interesting, um, you know, really interesting piece of information that you, you can, that, you know, once as we explore through, you know, different racers, social media accounts and things like that, as we looked at, you know, you, you get, you get, you know, you want to know something about a racer, you go to their social media page, right? Yeah, definitely. You just kind of get a feel for, for how they operate and what they do. But um, you, you won't always notice the highest following for, for a lot of these successful racers, you know, you, you, you may, in comparison to, um, you know, we, we, we sponsor and, and, you know, even at a factory level racers that, you know, have only a couple thousand followers um, on Instagram or Facebook or whatever the case may be, but they're just, just straight up racers, just hardcore yeah. racers and they win, they perform. And so for us, you know, uh, being able to work with someone like that, we're able to promote that they're winning races and that platform is winning races and they're putting this, this platform through the harshest terrain in, in, in Baja or King of the Hammers or wherever it is. Um, it's definitely not always about the following, um, but, but definitely how they promote themselves and how they present themselves yes. um, is, is a big part of it. So, um, and then of course there are racers that, that have 
you know, massive social media accounts and followings and, and, you know, they're looked at a little bit more as an influencer, um, you know, and then, and then on the razor team, we truly have those, we have influencers and brand ambassadors that don't even race and yeah. we work with them for different reasons and they have larger followings that we can help, you know, they can help us promote the product and things like that. So definitely depends on the person and then specific to racing, just, you know, really, really how, uh, you know, how strongly we feel about their program in general and, and, you know, getting to know them as a racer and how they operate, how they prepare. Um, you know, that's a big part of it. Um, you know, I mean, you've got racers that may prepare for two, three weeks before a race or maybe two, three months before a race. And hopefully yeah. you know that you're going to get, you're going to get a little bit more out of that guy. Um, that's, that's putting a couple months into this and testing and, um, doing whatever he can to, to ensure that he's going to be successful. So, um, yeah, but it's, it's, there's definitely some, you know, different, different programs that we, we work with, um, for different reasons, but it is really interesting when you start looking at the social media followings of, of, of some, even some of our racers, it's, you know, it's really from a racing standpoint as a manufacturer, it's about the performance. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it is funny because being someone who is a race fan, you know, I'll yeah. go find such and such that has been blowing this series out of the water and they have like 600 followers and you're like, what? <laughs> And, and yeah. you're just, and, and, you know, occasionally they'll post a picture like yeah. great weekend this weekend, or, or here's, you know, here's my car. And you're just like, man, if you could just have some help yeah. <laughs> or, or yeah. if you could tie up this loose end, or, yeah. yeah, if you could not get on the podium and, and drop the F-bomb, like, <laughs> you know, there's the layers to these things. So yeah. uh, there's blend, I mean, of, of, of self-promotion and, and their yeah. own ability to market themselves and their social media following and then performance, ultimately you find someone that, that you can meet in the middle there and you, you're, you're, you know, you got a pretty good candidate, but uh, yeah, we, we all different programs with different racers for different reasons. Absolutely. Okay. I think that, I think that that is a, a, a conclusive answer on that. Um, let's see here. Okay. Is there, uh, you mentioned, you know, kind of looking towards the East coast for, um, not not necessarily more support, but the 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 magnifying glass is getting bigger on the East Coast. Yeah, um, sure. is, is there anything in particular that you guys are looking for or looking directly at, um, or is there things in the West Coast that you are carrying over? Like, uh, hey, we're looking for this kind of quality in a driver, um, or you know, is there a race series that you guys are looking at? Do you have any yeah. like indicators? Yeah, I think. Um you know, I mean, there's, like I said earlier, even I'm still learning more about sure. these where I, where I, where, you know, I've been in the Southwest most of my life, but, uh, you know, I, you know, I think there's, you know, we've identified ways that we feel we can support the East coast a little better. And, you know, we're, we're getting ready to, um, you know, relaunch our 2021 racing plans and, and, you know, we've got some really exciting things in the works, which, which we're looking forward to sharing, but, um, you know, Ultimately, I think we just love to see more, you know, just some more Polaris representation. And so if we can do things that will help incentivize racers and, um, you know, if, if, if there are racers on the fence of, of maybe they're getting ready to build a new car or they need to purchase a new UTV to go race the next year, um, there's ways that we can we can influence and um, incentivize them to, you know, either stay in Polaris or switch to Polaris. Um, and get in a razor, then that's, that's what we're going to look to do. Um, you know, it's, the growth is just, it's there. We, we see it. And, um, 
you know, I mean, and even on the West Coast too. I mean, there's 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 opportunity where we can even make adjustments on the West Coast. Um, but yeah, we we've got some we've got some cool things in the works that we're excited to talk about um, here in the coming months as as we get closer to 2021. But um, I think in general, we just we we'd love to support the East Coast just across the board uh, more than we have. You know, there's some great competition out there, and that's the thing. I mean, even you look at Textplex for perfect example. I mean, yeah. yeah. You know, you, you, there's there's a lot of uh, a lot of uh, Can-Ams and Yamahas and things like that out there. So we just we want to do what we can to to level the playing field, so to speak, back there. So yeah, I think that that's how do I say this? Uh, there there are things that make me very hopeful that are like things that are coming in the future that I think that will uh, definitely level the playing field. It's very exciting, and sure. I'm I'm very excited to see that the you know kind of that that's where your ship is pointed in that big uproar of promotion and a big uproar of uh we're gonna we're gonna kind of take a step forward and we're gonna you know bring it all with us um and that kind of that kind of leads me to uh my next point here and then i have a few more things and then kind of just some questions for you um but as the new race team manager uh you know where where is your compass pointing and um Again, you know, this is this is just this is based off of my current, I guess, thoughts and uh, feelings, not factual at all. But mm -hmm. uh, there has been a big surge by other UTV companies mm -hmm. and manufacturers, and it feels like Polaris is in the middle of a step right now. And I'm curious, what do you have in mind to make that next step go past the competition? It's a great question. Um, <laughs> I'm sure it's an easy question to answer. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're definitely seeing more more manufacturer support from you know even like the Hondas and Kawasaki and mm -hmm. um, you know which is which is exciting for the sport, no, no yeah. doubt. Um, so for us, we just recognize that as like okay, we have to continue to step our game up and continue to uh, you know stay ahead of the competition, so to speak. And, you know, it, no doubt the, the competition is tougher than ever right now. Um, you know, so just recognizing that there is that much more manufacturer support involved and, and you know, more brands getting involved in racing. Um, you know, I mean, I think at King of the Hammers last year, there was, I mean, gosh, between between us and Can-Am and Yamaha and Kawasaki, Articat. Yeah, um, everybody was there. It was amazing. So, I think just that alone, you know, we just understand the importance and the significance of, of just maintaining a high quality program and, and putting out what we feel is the best product, giving our as much support as we can and, and resources to our racers to be successful. Ultimately, everybody every year is going to continue to step their game up. So we, we, we've got to do the same. And I don't know if that answers your question, but, you know, we're, ultimately, I think just across the board, we're seeing just a lot more happening in the UTV space with manufacturers. And so we're going to continue to continue to develop and, and, and continue to, to get better every year. Yeah. And, and that does because uh, manufacturer support is huge. And mm -hmm. people who, you know, are a little bit more weekend riders and things like that, you know, the only uh, interaction they have with the manufacturer is, you know, going to their dealer and either a buying the machine or B, you know, trying to get like a recall or something. They, that's, that's as, that's as far as it goes for the leisure person, mm -hmm. but on the race side, it means a lot more to, you know, not only, you know, you guys are always on site and things like that at King of the Hammers, you know, that's kind of like standard, but yeah. there is a, uh, you know, there's a, there's an oomph behind being there that you guys can bring 
um, that, which is encouraging. I think that's really cool. And I think that that will, that will help kind of the wave push harder as, uh, you know, the end of the year rolls around next year. And um, I would have to say, I think that we are in for the most interesting King of the Hammers in this upcoming year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would not argue with that. It's going to be a, it's going to be a good one. I mean, we're obviously looking for redemption there. Um, sure. I mean, we've got a, a decade worth of success there. Um, and so last year didn't go as planned, but you know, we're going to, we're going to come back out swinging and you know, we're, we're, uh, we're going to, that, that's, that's every year that's, you know, we yeah. circle that on the calendar. It's like, that's a big one, you know, of course, of course. Um, so yeah, we're, we're looking forward to it again for sure. Yeah. And so all of my next topics and questions are kind of all, you know, machine related in terms of uh, directions of where you guys are going and things like that. So um, obviously I've driven the XP platform. Um, I have driven, I actually have driven a Turbo S, but not for a whole lot of time. Um, Mm -hmm. I've owned an RS1 and I've driven a Pro XP for, you know, four or five hours. So I had a great time doing it. I will tell you this, and I've said it before on the podcast, and this isn't me just kissing ass. The Pro <laughs> XP is an awesome car. Yeah, it's amazing. Oh <laughs> gosh, man! It, so everyone got hung up on the the look, the, the change of looks. Look, people hate change. It's just it is what it is. Okay, um, I think that the black and orange Pro XP you guys dropped for twenty twenty one. Boom! Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, it's like it's like every uh, it's like my Halloween dream. It's awesome. I yeah. it really just hit hit with me really well. We did the limited edition runs. Um, yeah, you know, people like that stuff. You know, limited edition people 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 kill for that stuff. And so, um, I mean, we saw that as a really successful, really successful launch. Um, the Pro XP itself, like you can't, you know, say enough about the overall experience of of that of that machine. Yeah. Um, you know, we're seeing more and more of them in in, in you know race environment, which is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we had. Mitch Guthrie, Mitch Senior, yep. a handful handful of teams raced at a King of the Hammers last year. Um, you know, we came came close there, um, but you know, we're seeing them more in the desert, um, seeing them back east. We're seeing them in the work series, mm-hmm. the soil. Um, so it's it's definitely cool to see that platform specifically take off. Um, you know, it's definitely gaining some traction for sure. Yeah, I would agree with you. And 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 again, I think you know the the whole like looks debate. I think that's yeah. kind of worn off by now. And, um, I've told everybody this, you can't hate on the pro XP until you get in and drive one because um, the creature comforts are awesome, but it's not the point in my opinion. For me, you get in that thing. It steers beautifully. Like that alone makes that the best machine you guys have ever made because you you can almost turn underneath yourself. It really is something that you guys nailed. And um, it's, it's so much so that it would, you know, if you if you gave me a 1000 xp and made me pay again for it and i had the pro xp steering i'd do it it's great um seriously it's an excellent excellent thing you guys have really nailed it um so i'm i'm pretty high on that car uh again let me ask you this i don't see uh a lot of turbo s's out at king of the hammers and and i could be like misremembering but i don't i don't recall seeing very many this year again it was the release of the pro xp here so i I mean all that but yeah, there were there were quite a few. Um, yeah, there there. I mean, at least you know from our factory team, we had quite a few out there. Um, you know, when we Kristen Matlock, both in the Turbo S, um, Brandon Sims, Sarah Price. That's um, right. That's Chris right. Ambles. Um, so, yeah, I mean, while while a lot of the excitement was around the Pro XP, and and um, you know, we we definitely had a fair share of Turbo S out there, and and you know, they they. 
they kill it as well. You know, yeah. it's, that race is just brutal. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's certainly still a lot of buzz around the Turbo S and, and especially out west. I mean, it's a wider machine. Um, you know, in the desert, it's it, you know it it it's certainly uh, certainly a, a, a fan favorite out here, at least um, you know in Baja. Um, but yeah, there were, there were a handful. Um, and I think we'll continue to see a pretty even split, you know, which, which we, we want to see, we want to see all of our platforms out there at some capacity. So, um, but yeah, it's, you know, we'll see what direction we go this year and, and kind of see where that trend, you know, we, we work with each of our factory racers, um, you know, in a sense of, of making sure that they're comfortable in the platform that they're in and what, what we, you know, we work together on determining what's the best platform for each racer. Sure. Um, yeah, certainly continue to see a, a you know, and, and even spread across our, across our, uh, you know, across our, our range of platforms. So we'll I see. It's really interesting how you just said that, you know, uh, you basically pick the vehicle for the driver. I like that. I, I don't think about it like that because in my head, you know, everyone drives a little differently and they're yeah. all, it's all the whole wheel man idea, but yeah. I would say, you know, Okay, King well, of Hammers is probably built for car A. And then, yeah. you know, Best in the Desert, Vegas Torino is probably built for car B. And I yeah. like how you have it in mind. Like, no, some, yeah. people, some people drive that car better in that scenario. Sure. Yeah, no, and, and our team is great. Racers are always really good about, you know, reaching out to us and, hey, what do you want to see me in? What, what yeah. do you, where, where, where's the, you know, where's the marketing campaigns going? And what's, you know, depending on what's coming down the pipeline, what, you know, what, what would make the most sense for us to race? And so, mm-hmm. We don't necessarily make the decision for them. We we certainly just work with them to ensure that hey, if we yeah. you know if we go this route, you know, what do you guys feel about that? How can we um, how can we develop this together and, and make sure that you you have what you need to be successful? Whereas, and that's why I think you saw a pretty you saw a pretty even split at like yeah. Kway, for example. You know, and even in the desert right now, we've got you know a handful of guys that are racing Pro XBs, and we have a handful that are still racing Turbo S and. Um, and then obviously can't forget the, the NA class where, yeah. um, you know, we've got, you know, we've got, uh, some great factory representation there and the XP 1000 and, and RS one. So, um, but yeah, we, we, what we want to do is work with the racer, um, ensure they're comfortable, um, but making sure it obviously aligns with our, with our marketing goals as well. Do you think that we'll see, you know, potentially Turbo S Rock and Trail? I know we have the, you know, the Velocity and the Dynamics version, but um, the Rock and Trail version of that car ever a possibility? Yeah, I think there's, uh, you know, I think there's a possibility for for really, you know, anything and everything. I mean, they, they certainly will. They they, you know, feedback that we receive from uh, from the racing community is always is always taken and. And, and, you know, we, what we want to do is listen. And, and if we see a, a need for, for anything, um, you know, and demand for it, and, and if it truly does, does help develop the vehicle further, it's something that we'll always look at. Um, you know, hard to say what, what is and isn't coming and, and what the plans are in the future. But, uh, you know, I'd say, you know, anything's on the table at this point. And, and, you know, if it comes to, comes to developing the vehicle and, and, you know, providing a product that we know is going to sell and, and perform well. So, well, with that, I mean, um, what is, what is the, where I, I kind of mentioned it earlier, but you know, the next steps for Polaris, what do you guys, you know, is there something on the door is King of hammers going to be the next time that we're going to see, you know, the, the big Polaris push. Is there anything else coming, uh, in the pipeline? I mean, if you yeah. can talk about it, if you can't, if you can't, uh, just, yeah, you know, yeah, it's hard. You know, I would say we, we are excited for the direction that we're going. Um, you know, there's, you know, I think we've got uh, we're in a we're in a position right now to be to we're setting ourselves up to be really successful. Um, 
you know, we've got, uh, we're looking at new racers, um, you know, looking at expanding the roster, looking at, uh, you know, areas where we don't have strong representation. What we want to do is just continue to, to grow that, that razor race team um, across the country. Um, you know, definitely some big, big opportunities out there that, uh, you know, we're looking at, um, you know, I, I think it's just a really, it's a really exciting time to, um, you know, for razor and for UTV racing in general, um, you know, without, without saying too much, you know, it's every year, every year there's exciting things to look forward to. And, you know, what we want to do is just continue to grow and continue to improve. And so, you know, we've got some, got some really cool things that, uh, you know, that we'd like to introduce to racing and, um, you know, different ways that we can continue to support racing and support racers most importantly. So, um, you know, I didn't give away too much there, but, you know, we're just in general, we're really excited for 2021. Um, you know, this year has been challenging, right? So for, for a lot of people, um, you know, unfortunately it affected our racing calendar. So, um, I think just, uh, you know, a really strong year, you know, as we get come, come closer to 2021 and, um, you know, look at, you know, the cool thing about racing and is that, you know, it's, it's, it's 12 months. I mean, we've got best in the desert racing in Parker in January. Um, all the way through the, you know, we've got King of the Hammers and Baja kicking off in February, yeah. um, you know, short course racing, you know, it's, uh, you know, there's just a lot going on and, and we're excited to be a part of it. So um, excited to, excited to release some, some, some race plans for 21 here in the near future. Yeah. And I, I know that we all will be excited because yeah. the, the dead season, I don't, I don't think any of us knew how much racing meant to us until it was took, taken away. Like, yeah. The yeah. constant event after event, and then the next thing you know, we've got nothing, and everybody's like, "What do I do with my hands?" You know, yeah. it's kind of one of those like, "Just what, what's going on?" Yeah. Um, the but, cool part about that is, you know, we did you take take opportunity with that, you know, yeah. and, you know, and, and you know, implement new new things, and, and you know, um, gave us a lot of time to really evaluate what we're doing and how we can continue to improve and focus more on, you know, content, lifestyle content while racing wasn't going on and. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're able to work on some cool projects with some of our partners and some of our racers. And so we, we took it as an opportunity to stay busy and kind of shift gears a little bit. And now that, uh, you know, there's a lot of big races coming up and getting ready for a new year, we're excited to just put that focus back in the, back in racing. So, well, like I said earlier, I believe that you're going to have a very busy year next year. I mean, not only just, you know, the regular schedule of a race manager, but the, the race season after COVID, I really think that, especially given with a lot of the stuff that's been in the news this week. Um, I think that next year we'll see, you know, very minor cancellations and things like that. So I know that we'll have a lot of events going on. Um, There is one topic that I wanted to talk to you about that is uh, primarily geared towards the Southeast uh, rock bouncer guys who make their own custom chassis. And, you know, they, they do everything by hand and there's guys that make the lowers and blah, 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 and so on and so forth. You guys are crazy too, by the way. First <laughs> off, they are crazy. I'm not one of those guys ever. Yeah, you know, everyone not. listens to the podcast. You know, I get, I get stuff all the time and I get heat from a lot of people like, well, we haven't seen you do anything. Well, <laughs> I don't have yeah. an unlimited bank account and I want to see my child grow up. So That's right. <laughs> there's that. But um, it's really hard to... I would, I would presume as a, as factory razor, you know, the race team manager, you're looking over here and you're seeing this thing that only exists in the Southeast and somehow in Iceland, they do the crazy mountain climbs. Um, but it's very hard for you to slap a factory razor sticker on a rock bouncer. 
you know, something that was not made by Razor that just has the guts. Um, can you can you speak a little bit about you know that process and and maybe why we we don't see you know factory Razor Rock Bouncer? Yeah, I, um, you know, I don't I don't I don't know if I have the answer to that question. It's um, but you know, again, knowing that is a segment that's continuing to grow. I mean, I see stuff come across on you know Facebook and YouTube all the time, and look at it and realize how how crazy it is, you know, and, and, um, you know, I think there's, there's opportunity there to recognize that, you know, while these guys are building these crazy custom, um, you know, just, just gnarly rock bounce race vehicles. Um, mm -hmm. you know, there's also a really, really strong fan base there, mm -hmm. um, you know, full of enthusiasts that, you know, they, they may not be building the same thing that they're seeing these guys, you know, put through the trenches, but, very passionate enthusiasts as well. So I think that's where you can kind of look and see of like, okay, is there, is there, do we have an ability to market to this segment here? And, and what is that? Um, and, and how do we do that? How do we reach these, uh, these passionate off-road UTV enthusiasts? So I certainly see opportunity there. Um, yeah, I guess it's something we haven't really, we haven't really put much focus on um, in the past, but um, you know, I know we've got even some, some friends of the program that, that are, that are performing well down there. And so, um, yeah, it's something we can, you know, certainly take a look closer at just again, being that we've, you see the massive crowds of people that attend a lot of these events and, you know, they're, they're, uh, they're consumers, right? Like they're, yeah, they're, sure. they're enthusiasts. They, they're, they're hardcore off-roaders. So, um, yeah. yeah, at a minimum there's, uh, you know, there's opportunity there. Yeah. And it, you know, it's so funny that, you know, when I ask that question in my head, I'm thinking, there's no way a factory would, you know, factory team would give any leeway to something that doesn't look like the factory car. And then I, I kind of thought to myself, you know, you have this situation where uh, a lot of the desert guys run completely custom chassis and they, you know, basically put the front clip on and, and they really do the best they can to, to make it look factory and things like that. We kind of refit the plastics. Mm -hmm. um, and that's not far off what could be done. You know, it, it could be done. And uh, we've seen it a couple of times uh, from a couple of the guys where they have the front clip and it looks full body ish. Yeah. And even we have, yeah, right. I'll use the ish very, very lightly there. Um, but we even have guys that run it full body and, and it, it is very interesting because there is a crazy market. Um, yeah. I know just from my discussions with the guys in the leagues down here, um, their big push is they want it on TV uh, yeah. because it is such a spectacle because it is, you know, it's, it's monster jam on a hill and, yeah, point. Yep. And, and there's a huge market for it. And, you know, it's, it's funny. I, uh, I pointed it out on Facebook when it was going on, but the ultra four race was mm -hmm. down in uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee, and yep. there was a, uh, a, a rock bouncer race going on in Oklahoma. And just between the live feeds, uh, I think the ultra four had 150 to 250 and then the rock bouncers had over a thousand. So uh, it was, it was yeah. one of those moments where I, I really asked myself because I'm a big fan of the endurance. I'm a big fan of ultra four. I'm obviously a big fan of rock bouncing, but you know, I'm always like, well, this is the more, you know, established race league. You know, why don't more people do this? And it, I had, I had a talk with one of my friends, Will Bell, and he, he mentioned, he's just like, you're going to see a show, you know, yeah. part of, part of what it is, is the spectacle. Yeah. That's it's, what I'm like you start seeing people sharing yeah. some of the live streams and stuff. And I I've sat there and watched just like blown away. At, yeah. At, it's the show and just the, you know, it's aggressive. Like it's, yeah. I mean, these guys are great. These guys are like warriors, you know? Um, yeah, definitely. But uh, yeah, no, it's certainly a different, it's certainly a different, um, 
you know, um, you mentioned, you know, relating it to, to the full and limited desert race cars. Um, you know, it's, yeah, it's something, like I said, something we haven't really looked close at. Um, you know, quite frankly, I don't know enough about it to be honest with you. But, um, there's certainly, uh, that's certainly a, you know, a part of the country where they're, they're, they're hardcore off-road enthusiasts and, and where, where you have that, you've got opportunity. So. Yeah. Well, for my rock bouncer guys listening, that is a much more encouraging answer than I expected. I'll be honest. I, I, I kind of expected like, well, we can't, you know, we, we can't put a sticker on something that's not it, <laughs> but you know, kind of working the, the loopholes there. You know, I, I just, I look at the, I look, I, if anything, I respect those guys for, for what they do. Um, but yeah, Hey, you never know. Never say never. Um, certainly look at, look at different, look, there's all different parts. I mean, even, uh, you know, up in the, I guess the, well, there's the Midwest up, up north, you know, we, we, you know, work with a couple of racers in, in Illinois that are racing and it, yeah. you just see so many different, different opportunities across the country where we just, we just don't have a strong focus, but um, can certainly appreciate these guys for the, for the passion and, and how hard they, they work. And like you said, when we first started talking, I mean, for a lot of these guys, they're putting everything into it and get nothing else out of it other than just a purely, you know, epic experience and memories that, that, that'll last them a lifetime. So, um, yeah. the more we can do to, to keep those guys racing and support them as best we can, we'll, we'll try to do that. Yeah. And, and I think it, you just jogged my memory. You said earlier that some of the people that do this kind of racing are just thrill seekers. And I had thought about that because, you know, there are videos you'll find on YouTube from these guys out East, especially, and you're just like, what is wrong with you? What did you smoke before you tried to do this? Because man, that's crazy. And I, I never really put it into perspective, but that's the weekend guy that'll go out and send his hill or send his car up a, up a crazy hill, total it and get out and just be like, that was awesome. And it's just yep. a special kind yep. of person. We'll say it like yep, that. For sure. Then they go back home and go to work on Monday and work hard and then go yep. back out Friday, Saturday and do it again. You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and I, I haven't found the right word to describe those people, but I like thrill seekers. I think that's yeah. a good one. <laughs> <laughs> but that's pretty much all I had. Um, we ran through my entire list of yep. things here. Um, you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that through there. Uh, is there anything that we didn't get a chance to talk about that you would like to? Yeah, I don't know. I think we covered a lot. We covered a lot of ground. Um, you know, I think, I mean, I think you, uh, I think you got a lot out of me and, you yeah. know, I mean, if anything, just, just hope that, uh, hope that, um, you know, we can continue to, to look at ways that we can improve and, and continue to grow our razor team across the country. And, um, you know, we appreciate, truly appreciate the support that we receive from, um, from racers, uh, regardless where, where they're located and, um, at what level they're racing. Um, they, they, they truly keep us going, man. And it's, it's awesome to have that support in, in the racing community. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we are, more than blessed to have you guys out there. If it wasn't for y'all, we would have nothing to do. Well, we'd have, I'm sure we'd have some kind of other like horrible yeah. or something like that. Yeah. But, <laughs> but uh, with that, Brett from Polaris, thanks for being on the show, man. I really appreciate it. We'll close it out and we'll, uh, we'll hang out for a few minutes and uh, talk. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Hey everybody. Thanks for supporting the podcast. The best way that you can do that is make sure you follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and if you're on Apple Podcasts or have an iPad or iPhone, however you're listening, Apple Podcast reviews really help the podcast get noticed. Thank you. Today's show is awesome. Uh, today's show is brought to you by Supergrip ATV Tires. 
Uh, obviously, you guys know I'm a big fan of these tires. Um, I'll be running them on my car for the foreseeable future. Uh, my Super Grip ATV K9 tires. Um, just so you guys know, they're not using the K-9 uh, name for the tire anymore. It's actually going to be fully spelled out as C-A-N-I-N-E, K-9. Uh, the Super Grip K-9, it's a super rugged tire, all-terrain, ATV, UTV tire that, uh, listen y'all, I run the Ke I run the Kevlar setup and, and standard compound. It's been an extremely tough tire for me. Uh, if you've been a listener to the show for any length of time, you know that I have put them through everything, every kind of terrain, uh, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Uh, they work excellent in all those loose hill climbs, any kind of dirt riding, gravel road, general trail use. They're absolutely awesome. They hook really well on dry rock as well. Um, I'm super stoked to have these on my machine. Super Grip ATV, uh, it's a crazy eight ply rated uh, radial construction with an amazing rubber compound that's offered in the standard that I run and the intermediate that is available um, I was going to say everywhere, but as you guys all know, it's, it's a hard time to find parts and tires and wheels and things like that with everything involving uh, the pandemic. So get them if you can find them. I run the 30-inch tall tire, but they make a 27, 30, 32, and the illustrious 35-inch tall tire in both the standard and the sticky compound. So make sure you guys are keeping an eye out for those things. SupergripATV.com, SupergripATV on Facebook and Instagram. Next, uh, DinoJet Research Inc. Uh, I'm going to give them a short plug, but man, I really can't tell you how much the Stage 2 power package that I bought from them for my, uh, for my Razor really gave me not only a, a whole lot more pep in my step, but it also gave me a lot more customization. From this point on, I've kept all of the clutch weights and I, I kept the piece of paper that tells you how to clutch things, like where to begin to clutch things for different ride setups. So if I ever choose to move to a 32-inch tire, or if I choose to move to a 35-inch tire, I'll have the ability to adjust my clutch, and the most beautiful part of it is my 30-inch tire right now is what my clutch is set up for. If ever in the future I want to change it, you know, make the point of engagement on the clutch different, all I have to do is go in there and play with it myself and enjoy the experience. Dinojet.com, Dinojet Research Inc. on Instagram and Facebook. Next is Diddy's Big Block Race Shop. Uh, one of the best in the business, let me tell you. He is, uh, Chris is the owner. Um, they're on Facebook and Instagram at Diddy's Big Block. Let me, let me go ahead and say that because you need to be looking this up while I'm talking. Uh, Chris is the shock disciple. He is uh, continually learning. He's going out actually next week to improve some more of his uh, strategies. He's going out with Shock Jesus himself from the West Coast or I guess the Midwest. Um, but some of the things that Chris does, obviously is shock tuning, shock refurbishing, uh, getting you sprung, valved, cleaned up, added reservoirs, whatever it needs when it comes to your shock setup or suspension, Chris is the man. He is also the number one source for Mark Williams off-road parts, but he does specialize in off-road part sales, shock service, uh, multitude of fabrication, wiring and plumbing as well. Now he can take your rig, if you drop it off from, you know, at step eight of 10, he can take your rig to step 10, no problem. And he can get you all the way from zero to 10 turnkey build. Just reach out to them on Facebook or Instagram at Diddy's Big Block Race Shop. Okay, 
So this is kind of an unusual one, but this is for a good cause. I wanted to bring this up. Uh, this is usually a slot where I would talk about the irate 4x4 website. Uh, and that website is a forum for tons of information, whether it be full size, UTV, any kind of racing, any kind of build you could think of, there's information there. But the guys over at irate 4x4 wanted me to make you aware of Jeff Davidson and his story. Back in late July, Jeff was wheeling his buggy like any of us would be. He and a passenger were strapped in, fully harnessed, and it rolled on its side and actually exploded. Being strapped in, Jeff was burned very badly. Uh, over 25% of his body has severe burns. Uh, there were several groups of people coming together to help raise money for him and his family during this difficult time. There are two major giveaways that are going on right now. One is for a very nice built rock crawler, and the other is for an extremely plush 48-foot toy hauler. Two beautiful and over-the-top items will be raffled off. There are limited tickets available for the drawings. The drawing is on October 3rd, so please act fast. There are a few GoFundMe pages for Jeff, a Facebook page, and a raffle page all pertaining to that information. You can easily find this information about Jeff and the raffles, uh, both raffles, at irate4x4.com slash Jeff. That is I-R-A-T-E-4x4.com slash J-E-F-F. Even if you can't buy a raffle ticket, maybe you can help and donate a few bucks to a fellow wheeler who's really in need right now. Again, you can find those links at irate4x4.com slash Jeff. Feel free to throw in anything you guys have. If there's anything else that you would like to support that cause with, please reach out to the, the founders of the GoFundMe and get it done. I wanted to take a few more minutes and make that one a really long one because uh, I really think that that's a really amazing cause. Um, so other than that, All Things UTV is a longtime sponsor of the show. Two things I highly recommend from All Things UTV. Um, first off, the customer service is great. Shipping time is great. It's pretty often that things get overnighted. If Dustin himself sends them, they'll be on my front door the next day. It's pretty amazing. Um, but the two things I recommend are the Razor Aid Tender Springs. They give you a little bit more ground clearance that you lost with your Tender Springs. And they make your ride 80% better. One of the most beautiful parts about this is... Uh, it's got a lifetime warranty on all the Razor A tender springs, so there's no worry about ever having to pay attention to them again. And the most wonderful part is it takes your UTV and converts it from a tender spring setup to a fully dual custom rate or dual rate spring set, excuse me, dual rate spring setup. So all things UTV on Facebook and Instagram, all things UTV.com. Tell him Racing on the Rock sent you. He'll, uh, he'll always be up for helping you out. Infinite Off-Road is our last sponsor before we get to the show. And let me tell you, these guys are the absolute best in the business. The customer service, again, is only matched by all things UTV. Very happy to be working with those guys. They have a red, green, blue Rocklight kit. The only one on the market, in fact, that includes a pure white dedicated emitter. So you'll not only get the whitest and brightest patterns, but you'll get it at the most beautiful way possible and also you'll get the most ridiculous um, warranty ever a 25 year no questions even covering accidental damage warranty really great infinite off-road believes in the show so much that they give all listeners of the show um, 10% off 10% off the website infiniteoffroad.com with code word rocks all right 